The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume One, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section Twenty-Eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume One, by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section Twenty-Eight. Eighth Book part four my sister immediately associated herself with me and as previously from her letters so could i now more in detail and accurately understand the circumstances and situation of the family my father had after my departure applied all his didactic taste to my sister and in a house completely shut up, rendered secure by peace, and even cleared of lodgers, he had cut off from her almost every means of looking about and finding some recreation abroad. She had by turns to pursue and work at French, Italian, and English, besides which he compelled her to practice a great part of the day on the harpsichord. Nor was her writing to be neglected, and I had already remarked that he had directed her correspondence with me, and had let his doctrines come to me through her pen. My sister was, and still continued to be, an undefinable being, the most singular mixture of strength and weakness, of stubbornness and pliability which qualities operated now united now isolated by will and inclination thus she had in a manner which seemed to me fearful turned the hardness of her character against her father whom she did not forgive for having in these three years hindered or embittered to her so many innocent joys and of his good and excellent qualities she would not acknowledge even one she did all he commanded and arranged but in the most unamiable manner in the world she did it in the established routine but nothing more and nothing less not from love or a desire to please did she accommodate herself to anything so that this was one of the first things about which my mother complained to me in private but since love was as essential to my sister as to any human being she turned her affection wholly on me her care in nursing and entertaining me absorbed all her time her female companions who were swayed by her without her intending it had likewise to contrive all sorts of things to be pleasing and consolatory to me she was inventive in cheering me up and even developed some germs of comical humour which i had never known in her and which became her very well there soon arose between us a coterie language by which we could converse before all people without their understanding us and she often used this gibberish with great pertness in the presence of our parents my father was personally tolerably comfortable 
he was in good health spent a great part of the day in the instruction of my sister went on with the description of his travels and was longer in tuning his lute than in playing on it he concealed at the same time as well as he could his vexation at finding instead of a vigorous active son who ought now to take his degree and run through the prescribed course of life an invalid who seemed to suffer still more in soul than in body he did not conceal his wish that they should be expeditious with my cure but one was forced to be specially on one's guard in his presence against hypochondriacal expressions because he could then become passionate and bitter my mother by nature very lively and cheerful spent under these circumstances very tedious days her little housekeeping was soon provided for the good woman's mind inwardly never unoccupied wished to find an interest in something and that which was nearest at hand was religion which she embraced the more fondly as her most eminent female friends were cultivated and hearty worshippers of god at the head of these stood fraulein von plettenberg she is the same person from whose conversations and letters arose the confessions of a beautiful soul which are found inserted in wilhelm meister she was slenderly formed of the middle size a hearty natural demeanour had been made still more pleasing by the manners of the world and the court a very neat attire reminded of the dress of the helmhut women her serenity and peace of mind never left her she looked upon her sickness as a necessary element of her transient earthly existence she suffered with the greatest patience and in painless intervals was lively and talkative her favourite namely perhaps her only conversation was on the moral experiences which a man who observes himself can form in himself to which was added the religious views which in a very graceful manner nay with genius came under her consideration as natural and supernatural it scarcely needs more to recall back to the friends of such representations that complete delineation composed from the very depths of her soul owing to the very peculiar course she had taken from her youth upwards the distinguished rank in which she had been born and educated the liveliness and originality of her mind she did not agree very well with the other ladies who had set out upon the same road to salvation frau griesbach the chief of them seemed too severe too dry too learned she knew thought comprehended more than the others who contented themselves with the development of their feelings and she was therefore burdensome to them because every one neither could nor would carry with her so great an apparatus on the road to bliss but for this reason most of them were indeed somewhat monotonous since they confined themselves to a certain terminology which might well have been compared to that of the later sentimentalists fräulein von klettenberg guided her way between both extremes and seemed with some self-complacency to see her own reflections in the image of count sindendorf 
whose opinions and actions bore witness to a higher birth and more distinguished rank now she found in me what she needed a lively young creature striving after an unknown happiness who although he could not think himself an extraordinary sinner yet found himself in no comfortable condition and was perfectly healthy neither in body nor soul she was delighted with what nature had given me as well as with much that i had gained for myself and if she conceded to me many advantages this was by no means humiliating to her for in the first place she never thought of emulating one of the male sex and secondly she believed that in regard to religious culture she was very much in advance of me my disquiet my impatience my striving my seeking investigating musing and wavering she interpreted in her own way and did not conceal from me her conviction but assured me in plain terms that all this proceeded from my having no reconciled god now i had believed from my youth upwards that i stood on very good terms with my god nay i even fancied to myself according to various experiences that he might even be in arrears to me and i was daring enough to think that i had something to forgive him this presumption was grounded on my infinite goodwill to which as it seemed to me he should have given better assistance it may be imagined how often i got into disputes on this subject with my friend which however always terminated in the friendliest way and often like my conversations with the old rector with the remark that i was a foolish fellow for whom many allowances must be made i was much troubled with the tumour in my neck as the physician and surgeon wished first to disperse this excrescence afterwards as they said to draw it to a head and at last thought it best to open it so for a long time i had to suffer more from inconvenience than pain although towards the end of the cure the continual touching with lunar caustic and other corrosive substances could not but give me very disagreeable prospects for every fresh day the physician and surgeon both belonged to the pious separatists although both were of highly different natural characters the surgeon a slender well-built man of easy and skilful hand was unfortunately somewhat hectic but endured his condition with truly christian patience and did not suffer his disease to perplex him in his profession the physician was an inexplicable sly-looking fair-spoken and besides an abstruse man who had quite won the confidence of the pious circle being active and attentive he was consoling to the sick but more than by all this he extended his practice by the gift of showing in the background some mysterious medicines prepared by himself of which no one could speak since with us the physicians were strictly prohibited from making up their own prescriptions with certain powders which may have been some kind of digestive he was not so reserved but that powerful salt which could 
only be applied in the greatest danger was only mentioned among believers although no one had yet seen it or traced its effects to excite and strengthen our faith in the possibility of such an universal remedy the physician wherever he found any susceptibility had recommended certain chemico-alchemical books to his patients and given them to understand that by one's own study of them one could well attain this treasure for oneself which was the more necessary as the mode of its preparation both for physical and especially for moral reasons could not be well communicated nay that in order to comprehend produce and use this great work one must know the secrets of nature in connection since it was not a particular but an universal remedy and could indeed be produced under different forms and shapes my friend had listened to these enticing words the health of the body was too nearly allied to the health of the soul and could a greater benefit a greater mercy be shown towards others than by appropriating to oneself a remedy by which so many sufferings could be assuaged so many a danger averted she had already secretly studied Welling's opus mago cabalisticum for which however as the author himself immediately darkens and removes the light he imparts she was looking about for a friend who in this alternation of glare and gloom might bear her company it needed small incitement to inoculate me also with this disease i procured the work which like all writings of this kind could trace its pedigree in a direct line up to the neoplatonic school my chief labour in this book was most accurately to notice the obscure hints by which the author refers from one passage to another and thus promises to reveal what he conceals and to mark down on the margin the number of the page where such passages as should explain each other were to be found but even thus the book still remained dark and unintelligible enough except that one at last studied oneself into a certain terminology and by using it according to one's own fancy believed that one was at any rate saying if not understanding something the work mentioned before makes very honourable mention of its predecessors and we were incited to investigate those original sources themselves we turn to the works of theophrastus paracelsus and basilius valentinus as well as to those of helmont starkey and others whose doctrines and directions resting more or less on nature and imagination we endeavoured to see into and follow out i was particularly pleased with the aria catena homeri in which nature though perhaps in fantastical fashion is represented in a beautiful combination and thus sometimes by ourselves sometimes together we employed much time on these singularities and spent the evenings of a long winter during which i was compelled to keep my chamber very agreeably since we three my mother being included were more delighted with these secrets than we would have been at their elucidation in the meantime 
a very severe trial was preparing for me for it disturbed and one might even say for certain moments destroyed digestion excited such symptoms that in great tribulation i thought i should lose my life and none of the remedies applied would produce any further effect in this last extremity my distressed mother constrained the embarrassed physician with the greatest vehemence to come out with his universal medicine after a long refusal he hastened home at the dead of night and returned with a little glass of crystallized dry salt which was dissolved in water and swallowed by the patient it had a decidedly alkaline taste the salt was scarcely taken and my situation appeared relieved and from that moment the disease took a turn which by degrees led to my recovery i need not say how much this strengthened and heightened our faith in our physician and our industry to share in such a treasure my friend who without parents or brothers and sisters lived in a large well-situated house had already before this begun to purchase herself a little air furnace alembics and retorts of a moderate size and in accordance with the hints of velling and the significant signs of our physician and master operated principally on iron in which the most healing powers were said to be concealed if one only knew how to open it and as the volatile salt which must be produced made a great figure in all the writings with which we were acquainted so for these operations alkalis also were required which while they flowed away into the air were to unite with these superterrestrial things and at last produce per se a mysterious and excellent neutral salt no sooner was i in some measure restored and favoured by the change in the season once more able to occupy my old gable chamber than i also began to provide myself with a little apparatus a small air furnace with a sand bath was prepared and i very soon learned to change the glass alembics with a piece of burning match-cord into vessels in which the different mixtures were to be evaporated now were the strange ingredients of the macrocosm and microcosm handled in an odd mysterious manner and before all i attempted to produce neutral salts in an unheard-of way but what for a long time kept me busy most was the so-called licorcinicum flint juice which is made by melting down pure quartz flint with the proper proportion of alkali whence results a transparent glass which melts away on exposure to the air and exhibits a beautiful clear fluidity whoever has once prepared this himself and seen it with his own eyes will not blame those who believe in a maiden earth and in the possibility of producing further effects upon it by means of it i had become quite skilful in preparing this liquor silicum the fine white flints which are found in the mine furnished a perfect material for it and i was not wanting in the other requisites nor in diligence but i wearied at last because i could not but remark that the flinty 
substance was by no means so closely combined with the salt as i had philosophically imagined for it very easily separated itself again and this most beautiful mineral fluidity which to my greatest astonishment had sometimes appeared in the form of an animal jelly always deposited a powder which i was forced to pronounce the finest flint dust but which gave not the least sign of anything productive in its nature from which one could have hoped to see this maiden earth pass into the maternal state strange and unconnected as these operations were i yet learned many things from them i paid strict attention to all the crystallizations that might occur and became acquainted with the external forms of many natural things and inasmuch as i well knew that in modern times chemical subjects were treated more methodically i wished to get a general conception of them although as a half adept i had very little respect for the apothecaries and all those who operated with common fire however the chemical compendium of Boerhaave attracted me powerfully and led me on to read several of his writings in which since moreover my tedious illness had inclined me towards medical subjects i found an inducement to study also the aphorisms of this excellent man which i was glad to stamp upon my mind and in my memory another employment somewhat more human and by far more useful for my cultivation at the moment was reading through the letters which i had written home from leipzig nothing reveals more with respect to ourselves and when we again see before us that which has proceeded from us years before so that we can now consider ourselves as an object of contemplation but of course i was as yet too young and the epoch which was represented by those papers was still too near as in our younger years we do not in general easily cast off a certain self-complacent conceit this especially shows itself in despising what we have been but a little time before for while indeed we perceive as we advance from step to step that those things which we regard as good and excellent in ourselves and others do not stand their ground we think we can best extricate ourselves from this dilemma by ourselves throwing away what we cannot preserve so it was with me also for as in leipzig i had gradually learned to set little value on my childish labours so now my academical course seemed to me likewise of small account and i did not understand that for this very reason it must be of great value to me as it elevated me to a higher degree of observation and insight my father had carefully collected and sewed together the letters i had written to him as well as those to my sister nay he had even corrected them with attention and improved the mistakes both in writing and in grammar what first struck me in these letters was their exterior 
i was shocked at an incredible carelessness in the handwriting which extended from october seventeen sixty five to the middle of the following january but in the middle of march there appeared all at once a quite compressed orderly hand such as i used formerly to employ in writing for a prize my astonishment resolved itself into gratitude towards good geller who as i now well remembered whenever we handed in our essays to him represented to us in his hearty tone of voice that it was our sacred duty to practise our hand as much nay more than our style he repeated this as often as he caught sight of any scrawled careless writing on which occasion he often said that he would much like to make a good hand of his pupils the principal end in his instructions the more so as he had often remarked that a good hand led the way to a good style i could further notice that the french and english passages in my letters though not free from blunders were nevertheless written with facility and freedom these languages i had likewise continued to practise in my correspondence with george schlosser who was still at treptow and i had remained in constant communication with him by which i was instructed in many secular affairs for things did not always turn out with him quite as he had hoped and acquired an ever-increasing confidence in his earnest noble way of thinking another consideration which could not escape me in going over these letters was that my good father with the best intentions had done me a special mischief and had led me into that odd way of life into which i had fallen at last he had repeatedly warned me against card-playing but frau hofrat Böhmer, as long as she lived contrived to persuade me after her own fashion by declaring that my father's warnings were only against the abuse now as i likewise saw the advantages of it in society i readily submitted to being led by her i had indeed the sense of play but not the spirit of play i learned all the games easily and rapidly but i could never keep up the proper attention for a whole evening therefore however good a beginning i would make i invariably failed at the end and made myself and others lose through which i went off always out of humour either to the supper-table or out of the company scarcely had madame Burma died who moreover had no longer kept me in practice during her tedious illness when my father's doctrine gained force i at first begged to be excused from joining the card-tables and as they now did not know what else to do with me i became even more of a burden to myself than to others and declined the invitations which then became more rare and at last ceased altogether play which is much to be recommended to young people especially to those who incline to be practical and wish to look about in the world for themselves could never indeed become a passion with me for i never got any farther no matter how long i might have been playing had any one given me a general view of the subject and made me observe how here certain signs 
and more or less of chance form a kind of material at which judgment and activity can exercise themselves had any one made me see several games at once i might sooner have become reconciled with all this at the time of which i am now speaking i had from the above considerations come to the conviction that one should not avoid social games but should rather strive after a certain skill in them time is infinitely long and each day is a vessel into which a great deal may be poured if one would actually fill it up thus variously i was occupied in my solitude the more so as the departed spirits of the different tastes to which i had from time to time devoted myself had an opportunity to reappear i then again took up drawing and as i had always wished to labour directly from nature or rather from reality i made a picture of my chamber with its furniture and the persons who were in it and when this no more amused me i represented all sorts of town tales which were told at the time and in which interest was taken all this was not without character and a certain taste but unfortunately the figures lacked proportion and the proper vigour besides which the execution was extremely misty my father who continued to take pleasure in these things wished to have them more distinct wanting everything to be finished and properly completed he therefore had the mountain surrounded with ruled lines nay the painter morgenstern his domestic artist the same who afterwards made himself known and indeed famous by his church views had to insert the perspective lines of the rooms and chambers which then indeed stood in pretty harsh contrast with those cloudy-looking figures in this manner he thought he would make me gain greater accuracy and to please him i drew various objects of still life in which since the originals stood as patterns before me i could work with more distinctness and precision at last i took it into my head to etch once more i had composed a tolerably interesting landscape and felt myself very happy when i could look out for the old receipts given me by stock and could at my work call to mind those pleasant times i soon bit the plate and had a proof taken unluckily the composition was without light and shade and i now tormented myself to bring in both but as it was not quite clear to me what was really the essential point i could not finish up to this time i had been quite well after my own fashion but now a disease attacked me which had never troubled me before my throat namely had become completely sore and particularly what is called the uvula very much inflamed i could only swallow with great pain and the physicians did not know what to make of it they tormented me with gargles and hair pencils but could not free me from my misery at last it struck me 
that I had not been careful enough in the biting of my plates, and that by often and passionately repeating it, I had contracted this disease, and always revived and increased it. To the physicians this cause was plausible, and very soon certain, on my leaving my etching and biting, and that so much the more readily as the attempt had by no means turned out well, and I had more reason to conceal than to exhibit my labours, for which I consoled myself the more easily, as I very soon saw myself free from the troublesome disease. Upon this I could not refrain from the reflection that my similar occupations at Leipzig might have greatly contributed to those diseases from which I had suffered so much. It is indeed a tedious and withal a melancholy business to take too much care of ourselves, and of what injures and benefits us, but there is no question but that with the wonderful idiosyncrasy of human nature on the one side, and the infinite variety in the mode of life and pleasure on the other, it is a wonder that the human race has not worn itself out long ago. Human nature seems to possess a peculiar kind of toughness and many-sidedness, since it subdues everything which approaches it, or which it takes into itself, and if it cannot assimilate, at least makes it indifferent. In case of any great excess, indeed, it must yield to the elements in spite of all resistance, as many endemic diseases and the effects of brandy convince us. Could we, without being morbidly anxious, keep watch over ourselves as to what operates favourably or unfavourably upon us in our complicated civil and social life, and would we leave off what is actually pleasant to us as an enjoyment, for the sake of the evil consequences, we should thus know how to remove with ease many an inconvenience which, with a constitution otherwise sound, often troubles us more than even a disease. Unfortunately, it is in dietetics as in morals. We cannot see into a fault until we have got rid of it, by which nothing is gained, for the next fault is not like the preceding one, and therefore cannot be recognised under the same form. While I was reading over the letters which had been written to my sister from Leipzig, this remark, among others, could not escape me, that from the very beginning of my academical course I had esteemed myself very clever and wise, since, as soon as I had learned anything, I put myself in the place of the professor, and so became didactic on the spot. I was amused to see how I had immediately applied to my sister whatever Gellert had imparted or advised in his lectures, without seeing that both in life and in books a thing may be proper for a young man without being suitable for a young lady, and we both together made merry over these mimicries. The poems also which I had composed in Leipzig were already too poor for me and they seemed to me cold, dry, and in respect of all that was meant to express the state of a human heart or mind, too superficial. 
this induced me now that i was to leave my father's house once more and go to a second university again to decree a great high auto-da-fe against my labours several commenced plays some of which had reached the third or the fourth act while others had only the plot fully made out together with many other poems letters and papers were given over to the fire and scarcely anything was spared except the manuscript by Bayrisch, die lane des verliebten and dimitschuldigen which latter play i constantly went on improving with peculiar affection and as the piece was already complete i again worked over the plot to make it more bustling and intelligible lessing in the first two acts of his minna had set up an unattainable model of the way in which a drama should be developed and nothing was to me of greater importance than to thoroughly enter into his meaning and views the recital of whatever moved excited and occupied me at this time is already circumstantial enough but i must nevertheless recur to that interest with which super sensuous things had inspired me of which i once for all so far as might be possible undertook to form some notion i experienced a great influence from an important work that fell into my hands it was arnold's history of the church and of heretics this man is not merely a reflective historian but at the same time pious and feeling his sentiments chimed in very well with mine and what particularly delighted me in his work was that i received a more favourable notion of many heretics who had been hitherto represented to me as mad or impious the spirit of contradiction and the love of paradoxes are inherent in us all i diligently studied the different opinions and as i had often enough heard it said that every man has his own religion at last so nothing seemed more natural to me than that i should form mine too and this i did with much satisfaction the neo-platonism lay at the foundation the hermetical the mystical the cabalistic also contributed their share and thus i built for myself a world that looked strange enough i could well represent to myself a godhead which has gone on producing itself from all eternity but as production cannot be conceived without multiplicity so it must of necessity have immediately appeared to itself as a second which we recognize under the name of the sun now these two must continue the act of producing and again appear to themselves in a third which was just as substantial living and eternal as the whole with these however the circle of the godhead was complete and it would not have been possible for them to produce another perfectly equal to them but since the work of production always proceeded they created a fourth which already fostered in himself a contradiction inasmuch as it was like them unlimited and yet at the same time was to be contained in them and bounded by them 
now this was lucifer to whom the whole power of creation was committed from this time and from whom all other beings were to proceed he immediately displayed his infinite activity by creating the whole body of angels all again after his own likeness unlimited but contained in him and bounded by him surrounded by such glory he forgot his higher origin and believed that he could find himself in himself and from this first ingratitude sprang all that does not seem to us in accordance with the will and purposes of the godhead now the more he concentrated himself within himself the more painful must it have become to him as well as to all the spirits whose sweet uprising to their origin he had embittered and so that happened which is intimated to us under the form of the fall of the angels one part of them concentrated itself with lucifer the other turned itself again to its origin from this concentration of the whole creation for it had proceeded out of lucifer and was forced to follow him sprang all that we perceive under the form of matter which we figure to ourselves as heavy solid and dark but which since it is descended if not even immediately yet by filiation from the divine being is just as unlimited powerful and eternal as its sire and grandsire now the whole mischief if we may call it so having arisen merely through the one-sided direction of lucifer the better half was indeed wanting to this creation for it possessed all it is gained by concentration while it lacked all that can be effected by expansion alone and so the entire creation might have been destroyed by everlasting concentration become annihilated with its father lucifer and have lost all its claims to an equal eternity with the godhead this condition the Elohim contemplated for a time and they had their choice to wait for those eons in which the field would again have become clear and space would be left them for a new creation or if they would to seize upon that which existed already and supply the want according to their own eternity now they chose the latter and by their mere will supplied in an instant the whole want which the consequence of lucifer's undertaking drew after it they gave to the eternal being the faculty of expansion of moving towards them the peculiar pulse of life was again restored and lucifer himself could not avoid its effects this is the epoch when that appeared which we know as light and when that began which we are accustomed to designate by the word creation however much this multiplied itself by progressive degrees through the continually working vital power of the Elohim, still a being was wanting who might be able to restore the original connection with the godhead and thus man was produced who in all things was to be similar yea equal to the godhead but thereby in effect 
found himself once more in the situation of Lucifer, that of being at once unlimited and limited. And since this contradiction was to manifest itself in him through all the categories of existence, and a perfect consciousness as well as a decided will was to accompany his various conditions, it was to be foreseen that he must be at the same time the most perfect and the most imperfect, the most happy and the most unhappy creature. It was not long before he too completely acted the part of Lucifer. True ingratitude is a separation from the benefactor, and thus that fall was manifest for the second time, although the whole creation is nothing and was nothing, but a falling from and returning to the original. One easily sees how the redemption is not only decreed from eternity, but is considered as eternally necessary, nay, that it must ever renew itself through the whole time of generation. Footnote. Das werden, the state of becoming, as distinguished from that of being. The word which is most useful to the Germans can never be rendered properly in English, translator. And existence. In this view of the subject, nothing is more natural than for the divinity himself to take the form of man, which had already prepared itself as a veil, and to share his fate for a short time in order by this assimilation to enhance his joys and alleviate his sorrows. The history of all religions and philosophies teaches us that this great truth, indispensable to man, has been handed down by different nations, in different times, in various ways, and even in strange fables and images, in accordance with their limited knowledge. Enough, if it only be acknowledged, that we find ourselves in a condition which, even if it seems to drag us down and oppress us, yet gives us opportunity, nay, even makes it our duty, to raise ourselves up and to fulfil the purposes of the Godhead in this manner, that while we are compelled on the one hand to concentrate ourselves, we on the other hand do not omit to expand ourselves, in regular pulsation. Footnote. If we could make use of some such verbs as in self and unself, we should more accurately render this passage translator. End of section twenty eight.